This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl. It's time to get educated on your Second Amendment rights. Welcome to two full hours of Gun Owners Radio. Your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz, will teach you about firearms, self-defense, and the laws that affect your rights to keep and bear arms. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with questions to learn how to become a sponsor of Gun Owners Radio and get involved. Together, we will win. Now here's your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. You want me to say it? You yeah, like you got to do it. Somebody's got to do it. The answer. I don't know how to do that part. <laughs> hey, folks, you should be able to de- defend yourself and your loved ones. The problem is that lawmakers don't understand the, the criminals and don't obey the laws. So gun control laws just make it harder for law-abiding citizens to protect themselves. What can you do about it? Join a Second Amendment act, act, uh, activist group like the San Diego County Gun Owners. SDCGO makes activism easy. SDCGO connects you with other gun owners. Working together, we're getting more pro-gun officials elected. Join today at SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com. Go to SanDiegoCountyGunOwners.com and join today. Well, so we're going to have a kind of a uh, interesting show today. It's just Joe and I. Oh, yeah, and that it's Brendan good. guy. Hey, it's going to be a great going? show. Nice hey, how's it going? Yeah, you know good. anything about guns? Yeah, I heard that uh, SB 906 didn't pass recently. So, so that's the one about the parents uh, having to require. Oh, it didn't pass? It did not pass. Nah, we'll be talking about that today. Jeez, go figure. Yeah. Also, it says here, episode preview, Rob Pincus and Makers Match. Cordy Williams and John Crump. So that must be coming up. Do you know anything about all that stuff? I don't know nothing oh, about that. That's your I, stuff there. I know. Doc- I know about that stuff. I know Dr. Cordy Williams because he has a show here on the Answer San Diego. So he, he does. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I'm trying to remember what it's called. He's a chiropractor. Right? Is it a chiropractor show? No, no. It's it has to do with politics. Ah. So he's not allowed to be on the air since he's running for U.S. Senate. So he's put somebody else in his place in the meantime. Oh, he's running for U.S. Senate. That's correct. Ah. So we're going to talk to him about today. And then training tips. Is Desi's not here? No, it's DC. But Dramisi's here, so it's DC and Dramisi. So uh, I could talk about that too. That sounds like a show. Yeah, it just came up on YouTube uh, on the Gun Owners Radio YouTube page. Doesn't that sound like a show? The DC and Dramisi show? That does sound pretty catchy. I think it sounds catchy too. Weekly show. To carry or not carry at home, tis the question. And two A topics from Joe, of course. So, okay, so you've read all you can read there. So Yeah, I'm done. I'm finished. Right. I'm going home. See you later. It's so yours. Rob Pincus will be great on here today. He's always doing a million things. So For people that don't know, who is stuff. Rob Pincus? Rob Pincus is a nationally known trainer and Second Amendment advocate. We've, mm-hmm. uh, he's been on the show before, but he's involved in a lot of things. Um, one of the things I want to talk to him about today is uh, he was involved in something a little while ago uh, where he was reaching out to the anti-gun folks uh, to see what they could do to find common ground. So it would be interesting to see how that went or how that's mm. still going. Um, also, the Makers Match, and that's a um, a competition with uh, manufacturers that do 3D printed guns. So when they ask him about that as well. I thought but, that was Scotch. Um, he's a no, Makers Mark. Oh, Scotch. I was close. And that's Scotch. That's, it's uh, whiskey, I think. Yeah, yeah. whiskey, whatever. Um, but yeah, we got that. Uh, so he's always got a bunch of things to talk about. Um, Dr. Cordy Williams, again, is running for U.S. Senate. So he's one of the uh, 
He's one of the two other viable candidates, uh, viable meaning he's actually raised money um, oh. against Alex Padilla. So uh, so that'll be interesting. And then uh, John Crump is a celebrated author, gun writer, YouTube hero. So um, so it should be pretty good. Be an interesting show today. Oh, yeah. The training tips with DC and Dramisi, what that is, is... You um, like that, don't you? I do, yeah. That was good. That was the a surprise today. DC and Dramisi. So, um, yeah, Bill and I had uh, filmed a series of just short... We were trying to keep them in that three to five minute range mm-hmm. of just tips on different things, on concealed carry, on on different things like that. And uh, yeah, it looks like Rich uh, published the first one, threw it on our Gun Owners Radio um, uh, YouTube t- channel. Yeah. Which and, everybody should sign up to and join and like and, and share. Yeah, all that stuff young people do, right? <laughs> yeah, I have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm just winging it here. So, By the uh, way, I thought about you last night. I watched uh, the Josie uh, Josie Wales. Yeah, all Josie Wales, classic. Gosh, that was good, man. That was I've never seen anybody shoot so much and hit the target so well with such antiquated equipment. See, that's, that's a great show because uh, a great movie because um, I'm home with the Pugs this weekend. Uh, so, so the Pugs and I watched Rio Bravo last oh, night. Oh, did you? John Wayne and Dean Martin, and and we've got uh, El Dorado lined up for tonight. Uh well, do you remember the the rifle that? Josie Wales fired. Oh, with the and, uh, Missouri boat ride or something. Yeah, and it looks like it's got a scope. Yeah, is that what, a scope? Yeah, it is. That's what they looked like back then. And he shot the rope. And he all did. The, all well, the, it is a movie, so you well, can't I miss. But I thought it was a pretty good shot, personally. <laughs> and then all the cavalry went down the down the down the river. That was a good movie. I, yeah, that I even a, taped that, that one after watching it. I taped it at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I really like that one. The um, what else do we have here? Two uh, oh, the the two uh, A topics. So uh, like uh, Brendan was saying, the uh, that SB nine oh six did not make it out of committee, which uh, I, I'm shocked. I have no explanation. Didn't make for that. it out of committee? Well, no, I, I personally wasn't shocked because uh, there was not a single dis- school district that was a fan of this bill in the first place. So. Oh no, but they typically don't care about that. Yeah, kind of why stuff. do they I care? Mean, I mean, they, they don't care what you think. Don't the uh, don't the <laughs> teachers really, unions really don't. don't the teacher <laughs> unions control them? Basically, I guess, yeah. But, I mean, I, at the same token, it's good to know that the district has, I'd I, I like to believe, the district has 2A advocates ba- well, uh, backs. But does that tell me that there might be a light at the end of the tunnel? Well, that's what, not not to spoil the 5 o'clock segment, but, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> one of the uh, optimistic interpretations of this. Not to get too carried away. Well, no, it, because, I mean, you um, know, we begin. be lots of reasons why yeah. this didn't work. Well, and there's lots of reasons why California will still continually put up roadblocks and find every way possible to either take our guns away or or get into our homes. But I mean, for this to fail, I, I take that as a positive. Well, that, that's what I was surprised at because I mean, it's you know, it's generally any anti Second Amendment bill just sails right. Th- I mean, there's no there's nothing yeah. to stop it. Yeah. And yeah. uh, I, was, I was really surprised that, uh, yeah, it just did not have support. We'll talk about it at five, though, yeah. uh, about what was there. So so let me ask you this. What did you think of the the way the left has portrayed uh, this DeSantis uh, law in Florida? Yeah. You know, I know it's not gun-related, but they well, took the, the title idea. of it and totally made it their own. Which you know, is the, what they do. The so. Say No Gay bill? I mean, yeah. what – and the public is believing this. I mean, they did a guy on the street mm-hmm. and interviewed him, and, and they all said, well, you know, you shouldn't be saying that. You shouldn't have a bill titled that. Well, 
it was never was titled that. No, and you can see, uh, I mean, and that's that's the same thing that happens with the Second Amendment stuff. You, you allow these people to control the narrative, to make up these terms, because they do the same thing with us. And they just throw it out there, and the media runs with it and repeats it. And most people, you know, get their information in little bits and pieces, and they don't mm -hmm. they don't take the time to research anything, which which I thought uh, I've always thought that was ironic because uh, you know twenty years ago, uh, if you wanted to research something, that that was a trip to the library and trying to dig stuff up. Yeah, and now it's so easy. You know, you could sit there and you just could, go to Twitter. You could be on the internet. I mean, you got to pay attention to where you're getting information from. But you can research things, you know, in minutes and find out, you know, whether or not that's that's right. Because when you hear something, and that's what people don't seem to do nowadays, if you hear something that sounds odd, it's like, okay, that doesn't that sound exactly right. Mm. Let me look, you know. And you could look pretty easily and, and figure that out. But people don't do it. It's, they it's forget just the that weirdest thing. Let me look part of it. Yeah, and I don't I don't understand. I don't know if that's a generational. Brandon, is that a generational thing or? Uh, I don't want to represent my generation. Sorry. <laughs> Why not? You're not a good representation. Oh, we we got the uh, older people covered here. No, I don't think so. I, I I I really view myself as an independent person, and I feel like most of my generation is, is that stereotypical kind yeah. of. Do you do you tend to look things up if you hear something you know in the media that doesn't sound or it sounds weird to you? Do you tend to look it up and try to verify it? Absolutely, I do all yeah. the time. Yeah, to well, me that seems like common sense. Do you right. think some of it might have? to happen that you do radio i mean especially this radio station here it helps a lot too yeah it sure so. does it's job security all right we're going to take a quick break you're listening to gun owners radio fm 96.1 am 1170 the answer Folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. <laughs> Ghost guns is a relatively new term used by the gun control industry to make guns seem more dangerous and sinister than they really are. We're going to talk about that next with Rob Pincus. But first, if you have legal matters that involve firearms, then you need to call our California firearms lawyer, John Dillon, if you have questions about red flag laws, gun registration, gun transportation, or maybe you just need to know that your guns are California compliant, call our trusted firearms attorney, John Dillon. John Dillon specializes in California gun laws. Call 760-642-7150 or visit our website, DillonLawGP.com. So I guess the only reason I brought up the, the Josie Wells, I wanted to see if it was going to take us off air. Because we did, uh, we did oh. Red Dawn. We got whacked. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I guess. Uh, so well, I we'll just, see. It might be early. So I was just checking. All right. So do we have Rob on the line? Hey, Rob. How's it going, buddy? Great. How you guys doing? Well, you know, we're just living the dream in this lovely, free state of California. Doing great. Welcome to the show, Rob. Yeah. Look forward to it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, I'm just trying to be positive. You know how that goes. I do, I do. I, uh, I appreciate you guys having me back on. I'll be back in California this summer teaching uh, as usual on the tour. And, you know, it's, it's always important to uh, to spend some time where it isn't as free, I think, uh, to make sure we're, you know, paying attention to what, what the fight is. And uh, I appreciate all the work you guys do locally and obviously nationally to educate people about what those problems really are and why we have to fight. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it helps. It gives you a little perspective there. It lets you appreciate things a little bit. 
But, uh, and, and one of the things that I appreciate, uh, you know, when I am in California, one of the things I appreciate is, is how hard so many people do fight to uh, exercise their rights, even with, you know, restricted. Like I heard, you know, you, you gave a plug for someone that helps people figure out if their guns are compliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, quite frankly, someone that's exercising a Second Amendment right in New York, New Jersey, California, Massachusetts, uh, in a way, you guys earn those rights more every day than uh, mm-hmm. the average guy in Arizona or uh, California, you know, it's our, uh, Texas, you know, pick your state. Yeah, without a doubt. All right, so good. Hey, Rob, I heard you had a birthday yesterday. Is that right? I did. Oh, you're I like did 37 now. I heard he was 22. Yeah, it was something like that. I, I finally turned 50. I feel like, you know, <laughs> some of these uh, old-timers that have been teaching since uh, the Vietnam era won't call me kid anymore maybe now. I don't know. <laughs> I love that. I finally turned 50. When's the last time you heard a 50-year-old say, I finally? What, were you looking forward to it? Well, you got to remember, I started teaching full time. I mean, I was running classes. I took over the Valhalla Training. We launched really the, the Valhalla Training Center. Took over the, the club that, that preceded it uh, in my late twenties. So, so I showed up, you know, running curricula and developing programs and, and teaching uh, a lot of people who had a lot more, uh, you know, experience as, as armed professionals than I had uh, very early on because of our training methodologies and our approach to mm. training. You know, obviously there were there were people that found that valuable, but a lot of times the guys would show up like, "Who is this kid?" Uh, you know, obviously in the industry it's the same kind of thing. Like, who's this guy that didn't spend twenty years in law enforcement before he dared to uh, hang up a shingle and say he was an instructor? So, uh, you know, I, I, I was kind of glad when I went gray and you know whatever <laughs> else. I, I was doing everything I could not to look thirteen. So it's not something I've dreaded. Uh, quite honestly, it gets me closer to the day that. Uh, I pass, do pass the torch to lots of those instructors out there who are prepared to uh, probably go much further than I have. Wow, that's that's amazing. So what are we going to talk about today? Well, you guys started talking about ghost guns, and we just ran the second annual gun makers match, the national gun makers match uh, down in Florida last weekend. I'd love to tell you about that. Yeah, what's that all about? So we started this last year. Uh, the first gun makers match was held in June in St. Augustine, uh, Florida, and it was the first gathering of gun builders, private gun makers, people from the 3D printing side, people from the uh, kit building side. And then obviously there's a few people out there who are using more, uh, what I would say, are more in line with traditional manufacturing or commercial manufacturing techniques where they're actually milling guns and, and build, milling their own receivers. Um, it's something that is, is legal to do one way or another in, I think, currently 44 states. There are regulations on doing it in about 15 states. So California, for example, is one of the places where it's pretty heavy, heavily regulated, but it is legal to do. Uh, Massachusetts is another state where it's pretty regulated, but it's legal to do. And we actually ran a regional gunmakers match uh, last year, late in December, uh, up in Massachusetts at Cape Gunworks. But the second annual match, um, again, brought people from the West Coast, uh, the, the Midwest, the Northeast, um, down to Florida. Uh, people from all over the country competed in uh, three different divisions inside of two categories. So one category is 3D printed based firearms, and the other is kit built firearms. And we put the milled guns, a few guys that show up with them, in with the 3D printed guns because they are truly starting from raw materials like the 3D printers do. And uh, they compete in handgun, uh, PCC or braced pistol, and rifle categories. And it's sort of like an action shooting match. Um, if you think of an IDPA or a USPSA stage, they compete on multiple stages. We score it just like, uh, you know, an IDPA match would be scored, uh, something along those lines. You know, best two hits count, and you're penalty, penalized for four hits. Uh, your score is your time plus penalties. And then we uh, 
we award some plaques and we give away some great prizes and, and everybody, just about everybody, I think has a great time. And uh, we hope that everybody gets what they expect out of the match. And uh, uh, this year was a big success. The, the event is actually sanctioned by guns for everyone national, uh, the 501 C three arm of guns for everyone based here in Colorado, where I am right now at my Western headquarters. And uh, it's also co I would say co-sponsored or, or really helped the help. Uh, to organize the event is a group called Are, called Are We Cool Yet, um, the Aussie group, A-W-C-Y, and they are a community that develops 3D-printed guns, designs, um, and supports people who are getting into the hobby um, and even new designers who are developing truly unique firearms um, based on 3D-printed technology. Hey, Rob, just for our, for the listeners here, um, what's, what's the difference between the kit guns and a 3D printed gun. And like if I had two guns laying side by side here, one from a kit, one from a 3D print, uh, could you tell the difference or could you see a difference in them? You, you probably could tell the difference uh, with, I would say, 99% of the printed guns. The 99% of the printed gun, the quality of the, 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 the print that would have what we call layer lines, um, it, it, would be, it would be pretty obvious that it wasn't a commercially made frame that it was it would have more of a do-it-yourself kind of look in most cases now i will tell you some of the guys are doing some amazing things with some very high-tech uh filaments the raw material that you use in 3d printer that they use higher uh temperatures they use um really incredibly precise machines i mean in some cases to make some things that you really can't get especially at a glance or when you first pick it up you can't tell the difference between some of these guns and uh, whether it's a kit-built or a commercially-made firearm. Now, the kit-built guns, um, we're talking about companies like Polymer 80 or SS80 that's based right there in California. Uh, those kits really are going through exactly the same injection molding process using very similar polymers or plastics to what you know Glock or Smith & Smith & Wesson or SIG use in their polymer-framed guns. So those um, will look and feel much more like a commercially-made firearm, especially if you if – you, really don't know what you're looking at when it comes to the 3D printed guns. And how are the, the 3D printed guns, how are they in terms of reliability and yeah. wear? Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, they're, they're, it's completely safe if you do it, obviously, if you do it pr properly, um, like anything else, if you do it improperly, it could be a little less safe. You have to remember, almost all of the guns that people are, quote unquote, 3D printing, what we are 3D printing is the frame of the gun. So, you know, in, in that last, answering the last question, I was really picturing, you know, a, a typical Glock style handgun, either made with a kit or made with a 3D printer. Now, if you talk about 3D printing some of the very unique guns, the guns that can only be 3D printed, because there are no kits, um, they obviously don't look like anything else, you know, on the market or in the community. So those stand out. And then again, if the print quality is high enough, it'll look commercially manufactured. If the print quality is typical, it'll look a little more home-built, do-it-yourself. Uh, in terms of reliability, you know, that home-built do-it-yourselfness can be a factor in the kits as well as the 3D printing. So if, you're, if your, you know, pinholes aren't straight, if your rails aren't smooth, it's just like when we, you know, I don't know if you were ever involved in, you know, custom building your own 1911s, but back in the 90s when I was doing that, if you didn't file everything right, if it wasn't polished properly, you know, that, that gun wasn't going to operate smoothly and reliably either. So all of those pitfalls are there. Um, with the kits, it is a little bit more be patient and follow the instructions and it'll work. Um, with the 3D printing, if you're using a design that's, that's put out there by one of the well-known designers or one of the groups like Aussie, you know, if you're getting your designs from someplace like DefCAD, um, it's probably a well-vetted design. If you don't mess with it, you'll be able to print it out, um, install the parts, and be shooting a gun. 
But these guns, most of the guns that people are using are using uppers, whether it's slides and barrels or AR-15 type uppers that are commercially made. So they're buying the commercially oh. made parts that are not, um, you know, serialized, that aren't controlled items, and they're making their own frames. So they end up with an unserialized, privately made firearm, whether it's a rifle, pistol, uh, a braced pistol, but they're using a lot of commercial parts. Um, on the other hand, there are people who are doing truly home-built guns. There are designs out there that are really impressive. I just recently put up a video of me shooting a Cobra 9, which was uh, developed by a guy named Darren. Um, he goes by Durwood in the printing community. It's a kind of code name. And uh, it's an amazing design that is truly unique. And it has a recoil dampening system that is pretty innovative. And it shoots incredibly smoothly. Um, think MP5 style gun. So the barrel itself is still steel? It's not? Yeah, all the barrels, you know, you can technically 3D print a complete gun. Uh, but as you can imagine, um, unless it has an incredibly thick uh, barrel, yeah. it's not actually survive the first a couple of shots so you could do something with like a rim fire 22 short right. maybe a 20 long rifle but for the 99.9 percent of the guns out there 99.999 percent of the guns out there have either traditional barrels or barrels that are made through a process called electrochemical machining where you actually combine some 3d printing techniques and um, an electrochemical process with a salt bath and you can imagine some electricity and some twisted copper wires to give you rifling inside of high-grade steel. So you can make your own barrels and, and truly have a gun that, that has no commercial parts whatsoever. Well, the reason I bring it up, unfortunately, is the left listens to our show all the time. And if you could make a, a usable, all-plastic or all, you know, which you could get through an airport security and all that, all you know what will break loose. So I wanted to make sure that that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, that's not what we're talking about. you got to remember, that, that fear-mongering is going to be there, that misunderstanding. Or well, I know, but if I get out there and say it, then they yeah, can't come yeah. back at us and say, well, you said that you're making guns, and yeah. No, get a life. Yeah, and there is the, the Undetectable Firearms Act is still in effect, that law that went into effect in the late 80s that said no firearm can be undetectable. Right. That's still a thing. And, and just to put everybody at ease, while I said, yeah, you could make a firearm theoretically that might last a shot or two um, without right. using traditional parts. You have to remember, the bullets, if they're going to be dangerous to people, are still going to be made of metal. And yep. They're still going to be findable on those scanners, uh, magnetometers, or the much more advanced scanners that TSA is using. All right. Rob, can you hang with us for another segment? Absolutely. You're the best. Guns Owner Radio, FM 96.1 AM 1170. The Answer. Folks, welcome back. You are listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. Hey, you want to get a pilot's license? <laughs> Go ahead. It's on your bucket list. Just look. But if you're going to do it, make that dream come true at San Diego Flight Training International. Hey, we're so excited to welcome San Diego Flight Training International as a new sponsor. You can learn to fly, start the adventure of a lifetime in the heart of san diego right in montgomery field getting started is super easy give them a call 858-569-1822 you can learn to fly with sdfti call them today 858-569-1822 get trained by the professionals all right we got rob pinkus on the line we've just been sort of chatting about 
the infamous ghost guns. But you know what? I, I, when I was listening to you talk about that event in Florida, it kind of rem- reminded me of the custom hot rod community, how people just will take a four-wheel vehicle and turn it into things that would blow you away. And it sounds to me like you must have come out with some pretty interesting guns at that, at that event. Oh, yeah. People can go to gunmakersmatch.com and see some of the pictures and see some of the links uh, to some of the media coverage that we've gotten in the past. The media coverage from the second event is starting to come out. We had one uh, video with a bunch of great interviews with some of the competitors, some of the organizers, and lots of good video of the shooting and the guns themselves come out on an international feed. Actually, we had a uh, crew there from a, new, a German-based news source that uh, gave us a really nice, no editorial, no no commentary about crazy Americans with evil guns or any of that, just a, a very fair showing of what we were doing and may, mostly let us talk about it. We've got a piece coming out, a little mini documentary from Newsy, and last year Vice News did a great documentary. People can find it if they search Gunmakers Match, uh, 3D printed Gunmakers Match through Vice News. It's about a 30-minute piece and uh, we actually had a journalist make his own gun. He was from California. He made made his own gun, competed in the match, and then he had to destroy the gun at the end of the show because he, he didn't want to take it back to California, and he obviously couldn't legally take it back to California mm-hmm. because he didn't get the serial number first. This year, we had a journalist make her own gun. It, she had never shot a handgun before. She made a gun. She shot it, and she actually took possession of it and took it home with her. Um, she is now a new gun owner. Um, because of the gunmakers match, and and that's one of the things we're trying to get people to do. Obviously, for some people, they just love crafts. They love working. They're they're machinists. Yeah. They're they're creators. They we work with their hands. We're woodworking, as you mentioned, car customization, whatever it might be. Plenty of people who are just technically uh, good at three D printing mm-hmm. have gotten into guns because it's such a technical challenge. And uh, now the gunmakers match gives them a place to show off their work. Well, you know, and Rob, people have been making guns since, since the beginning. Guns. <laughs> so why? I mean, what's the argument against being allowed to build your own gun? I mean, why? Why would you argue against that, or why would people argue against that? Yeah, obviously, I'm not arguing against that. I, I think it, it comes down to right now in the gun control community. If we look at uh, you know, President Biden, if we look at the, the, the kind of normal, the regular actors in the gun control world, they have lost and or been pushed back on so many fronts. Even the gun control community, you know, starting to have people like like the most recent past president of the Brady campaign organization who has come right out and said, like, magazine bans aren't the way to go. Assault weapons ban, it doesn't even mean anything. It's not the way to go. Um, it's not where anybody should be putting their energy because it doesn't really create anything worth uh, infringing on people's rights. So one of the pieces of low-hanging fruit, I think, that the, the gun control community perceives right now is to – cast a very negative light on the idea of private gun making somehow only being about keeping the government out of guns, which quite frankly, they shouldn't be. We, we know that, but that can be turned into a nefarious con- concept by the gun control community. And this idea that the only reason you would make a gun that doesn't have a serial number is for criminal intent, because let's face it, most people get their information about guns from movies and TV. And on TV, tracing a gun is this magic way to solve all crimes. And, and I can assure you, based on my own personal law enforcement experience, and you know, obviously talking to a lot of other law enforcement professionals over the years, tracing a gun is not something that solves very many crimes in the way it does on TV. So, so it can be cast as a negative thing very easily. And again, that's one of the missions of the Gunmakers Match is to, to show 
who's really involved in this? It's some of the most responsible, most educated gun owners who are incredibly passionate about safety, um, even when it comes down to our inspection table. You know, we inspect all of the privately made guns that come into the gun makers match. Well, they have to be inspected before they can be used in competition um, because we want to make sure they're safe. And we want to make sure people are building them responsibly. And uh, the kind of guys that are into gun making, uh, overwhelmingly, again, they are the most conscientious and responsible gun owners. Well, so, and Rot in the... Um in the uh, just based on the people that you interact with and what you've heard, have you heard um, a lot about uh, you know the criminal use of homemade guns or anything nowadays? Well, I, I hear a lot. I get asked a lot of questions by journalists. They'll say things like, "Well, you know, the seizure of ghost guns is up four hundred percent in in some jurisdiction or another." And I, and I always you know challenge them to push back on wherever they're getting these statistics from because we know that the term ghost gun, if, if all it means is an untraceable gun. Well, that could be a lot of things. It could be a gun manufactured before 1968 and sold legally that didn't, wasn't required to have a log serial number with the federal government. It could mean a privately made gun. It could mean a gun that a criminal took the serial number off of because they had criminal intent and did something wrong with it. And that's been going on. You know, I, I remind you, like, my dad was a, a, a narcotics detective in the 70s, right? I have pictures of him, like, from newspaper clippings with stacks of cash, drugs, and guns that had the serial numbers filed off. I mean, this is the idea that criminals take serial numbers off of guns is nothing new. Those are ghost guns in the vernacular that most law enforcement would use that term. And also remember that in most states, private sales are legal. So in most states, this, the second time a gun gets sold from one gun owner to another responsible gun owner, it is now technically untraceable. You know, I always advise people, if you privately sell a gun, you should get a bill of sale and you should see the person's ID, preferably a concealed carry permit or something like that. So, you know, you're selling it to a responsible gun owner, but there's no legal obligation to do that, nor should there be. So it's very possible that a gun can be traced in many states from the manufacturer to the wholesaler, to the retailer, to the first customer. And the first customer can tell the cops when they knock on the door, oh, I sold that to somebody eight years ago and I don't have the paperwork or I don't remember the paperwork or, you know, unless you have a warrant, I'm not going to tell you who I sold it to. And that's completely legal. And that makes that gun a ghost gun too. So whenever I hear these statistics, um, I, I always have to challenge the journalists and anybody else who's concerned about them. You know, are the guns you're hearing about actually privately made guns and are they being used in violent crimes? Or are these just incidental confiscations because of possession, you know, during a DUI arrest. Um, and I'm not saying DUI is okay. I'm just saying confiscating a right. gun during a DUI arrest is not the same as someone going into a, a movie theater and shooting people with a gun. And we're just not seeing a lot of violent crime with privately made guns. In fact, the one of the chiefs of police here in Denver, um, where I'm sitting right now at my Western HQ, I can no longer possess or manufacture unserialized guns uh, as of the first week in January. It's a new law. It's a law that um, I'm fighting and, and some other people or some other big organizations are looking at backing some lawsuits against the city. But the one of the chiefs of police and someone from the crime lab did one of the city council meetings when they were discussing this potential restriction. And they told them, we, they said, we as the police department have seen no significant number of these unserialized guns and none involved in any violent crimes here in the city or county of Denver. And, and yet the city council still passed the restriction. Right. So let me ask you this. I mean, just so we can make this a little bit more understandable to say to the folks listening to the show that are not into guns. And I don't know if you asked this question at, at your conference, how long does it take to make a, this gun, a ghost gun, shall we call it, from A to Z, a week, two weeks, a month. I mean, it's, you see where I'm going with this? 
I do. And, and so, so it, let me put it to you this way, and, and I'm going to tell you why I think this is an important thing to talk about. Uh, I don't think it's important from the, the aspect that most people ask, you know, as if somehow it's not as bad if it takes a long time. I think that's how most people ask. So mm-hmm. if you talk about 3D printing a gun, it could take you literally 40 to 50 hours mm-hmm. to print the parts of the gun that you then have to file and clean up and sand and fix, that you then have to assemble the parts. Some of these guns that are truly do-it-yourself require welding skills in addition to 3D printing skills. Um, you've got to file and, br- and, and polish the metal pieces that you've created. You've got to assemble all the parts. And it literally can take you know, a couple weeks of work just to get to where you're testing the gun at the range, and then you might have to you know, fiddle with it a little bit to make it reliable. Um, that's at the extreme end. These kit-built guns, the, the Glock-style pistol kits, if you laid all the parts out, of course, that means you had to go to the store or mail order all the parts and all these other things that, that are legal to own without having to go through a background check and all that stuff. If you had all the parts and all the tools laid out on a table and you hit a stopwatch, I absolutely 100% guarantee that I could get a working gun going within an hour. I'm sure there are people out there that could probably reliably, they'll tell you they'd bet $100 they could do it in, in 30 or 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Now. That being said, one of the and this is why I think this is important to talk about. I don't hide that. You know, when 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 Biden or Schumer or somebody says you can get these parts off the internet and build a gun in 30 minutes, I ask you, gun control advocate, what's the appropriate amount of time? Like, what are you going to be satisfied with? Are you going to are you going to tell me that if it took three hours, you wouldn't care? If it took three weeks, you wouldn't care? If it took three months, you wouldn't care? I don't think that's the case. So I think it's a disingenuous attack. It's not mm-hmm. as if. Well, if it took an hour, it'd be okay. But the fact that it takes 30 minutes, oh, that's really a problem. You know, that's not freedom. It shouldn't matter how long it takes. Some guys, you know, that build kit airplanes or, or as you mentioned, hot rods, they have those things in their, in their garage for years. Sure. They hit the road with them or they hit the, hit the runway with them. Other people might do it in a month. Um, I think for the handgun or the rifle, we got to remember, you can go buy one with an instant background check in, in almost every state in this, in this country. So the idea that, that you can walk into a store with the same amount of money you're going to spend and walk out the door with the gun uh, has to be remembered and has to be talked about. Uh, the fact is we're advocating for shall not be infringed. Right. Uh, how long it takes to build the gun really shouldn't need to be part of the discussion. And if you're a crook, you can get it in 15 minutes if you know where to go. Well, that's just it. You know, it, it, when you look at what goes into building these guns, that was journalist mm-hmm. who's gone hands-on to build a gun every journalist has come to the same conclusion wow this is a lot of work i can't <laughs> imagine the criminal wanting to go through this when they could just go buy a gun for cash so that's that's why that argument you know doesn't hold water you know when, when you hear these people talk about you know up 400 percent. it sounds like there's just thousands of criminals making guns. Well, see, and that's why I'm always skeptical when I hear those kinds right. of Well, because one, up 400% could mean we got one last year and we got four this year. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, um, right. but you know, for that same that's reason, though, point. I mean, criminals, I, why would you go through all that when it's much, much easier just to go buy a stolen gun? I know. It's, but it doesn't make any difference because the, they're doing everything humanly possible to get the guns taken away. I don't know if you heard the law that just uh, got failed in the schools where the schools wanted the kids to rat on their parents about gun ownership. Oh, I did. And I'm glad that one went away. Yeah. That, that was uh, incredibly ridiculous. Yeah. Well, maybe that's a bright light or maybe a, a little light in California because that was a shocker. Rob, this has been a blast. Thank you very much for chatting with Joe and I. And we always look forward to talking to you down the road. 
Yes, sir. Thank you very much. And we need to get spend some range time together when I'm out in California next time. Let's do Looking it. Looking forward to it. All right, buddy. Hey, how do people follow you and, and stay on top of what you're doing? Uh, they can follow me at Pincus Rob, P-I-N-C-U-S, Rob, at Twitter or Instagram. And uh, they can just, you know, use my name on the social media of any of them. They'll find me at gunmakersmatch.com for more information on that event. I'm definitely going to go check that one out. I can't wait to see what that's all about. Thanks, buddy. You have a good uh, next week. All right, folks, don't touch that dial. Next coming up is Cordy Williams. He's running for U.S. Senate. Joe's going to take a really good care of this interview on Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170, The Answer. It's yours. It's mine? Okay. So <laughs> how do we protect and defend the Second Amendment? A big thing that we do is to interview and vet political candidates. So we make it easy for gun owners to vote for people that will fight for the Second Amendment. We're going to keep on doing that with an interview with Cordy Williams coming up next. But first, does it take too much time to clean your gun to end up smelling like a gas station? Well, clean lube and protect your gun faster with Seal One. Seal One CLP Plus is natural, non-toxic, and environmentally friendly. Clean your guns faster and smell good. One and done with Seal One. Ask for it by name at your local gun shop. If they don't have it, tell them to get you some. Or you can just go to their website at SealOne.com. That's Seal One. Seal the number one dot com. All right, Joe, who we got up next? We have Dr. Uh, Cordy Williams, who is running for U.S. Senate, uh, going for the seat that Kamala vacated. And uh, the interim senator there is Alex Padilla, I think. So, uh, Dr. Williams, are you on? Yes, I am. How are you, gentlemen? Very Great. good. Very well, welcome good. Welcome to the show. Um, hey, you want to tell the? Uh, thank you. So, you want to tell the folks a little bit about yourself? So, who are you, and what's going on? Yeah, yeah. So, I'm a U.S. Marine, father of two young boys um, under the age of five. I'm a Jesus guy. I'm a Trump guy. Um, lifetime NRA member and, uh, you know, one of those guys that uh, grew up right outside of Seattle. My dad always took me hunting and fishing, and um, we went we went deer hunting. I probably was firing a BB gun at 5. I think I was shooting a 22 at 7, and by the age of 8 or 9, I was firing a 308 and a 30-06 and um, been around firearms pretty much my whole life. Um, I got to really shoot some really cool ones. Um, in 1998, when I went into the U.S. Marine Corps. Cool. So great. So that. Um, <laughs> go ahead. So so. Yeah, Dr. I know. I was just going to say that's kind of the elevator speech. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Nothing wrong with that at all. 308. I had a British 303. If you want to talk about a fun gun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I locked my keys in a car and I used that to get in. So you can imagine what the window and the door on the other side look like afterwards. Oh my goodness, that sounds like something we do in Alabama. Yeah, well, I was I was born there, so. So how did you end up here in San Diego? Yeah, well, my wife. So, so I'm a chiropractor. So my wife and I both have doctorates in chiropractic, and um, she was very much of the non-gun, non-country music. 
liberal side of, of the camp uh, when I met her back in 2010. And I always like to say I converted her. Um, she loves George Strait now. She probably fires a Glock better than I do. I'm, a, I'm ashamed to admit. Um, and she probably loves Donald Trump more than I do, too. So, so we, we, we really converted her. Um, and she's a, she's a Jesus follower now. Um, but, you know, we, we met in school in 2010. Just happened to be, you know, I was uh, coming up from Slab Lab, and she was sitting out by herself. Uh, slab Lab is what we call when you, you know, look at dead people and you got to look at uh, skin, tissue, and nerves and all that. Uh, that's, what, that's what doctors do when they're learning. And um, she was outside and, and eating by herself, and, uh, you know, fate would have it, and probably a lot of God would have it. Um, that she was dumb enough to go out with me, and the, and the rest is history. The rest is history. So, so I've got to ask you a question. What college did you go to for chiropractic? Yeah, Life University. It's right outside of Atlanta in okay. a little town called Marietta. Have you ever heard of Pearson Marietta College? Have you ever heard of Pearson? Uh, I've heard of it, yeah. and, and it's been a while. Um, so, so I couldn't tell you what state it's in. Yeah. yeah, I have heard of it for sure. The only reason I say that is I, I found a, a chiropractor from there and everybody I talk to that knows anything about it says that's the college. And I'll tell you, the guy did wonders for me that he passed away, but I digress. So, <laughs> so what made you jump into this race to fill the smallest shoes in the state? Yeah, well, you know what? You know, a lot of people ask me that. And, um, you know, at 42, I've been in practice probably eight or nine years. Um, and, and we moved out here in 2014. And, you know, I had no political aspirations. That, you know, I thought my service was, was done from a, from a U.S. constitutional standpoint um, because I'd, you know, served my four years in the Marine Corps and was trucking along with my family and everything was going great. And then the, uh, COVID situation um, started, or the uh, the uh, Fauci virus, um, and when it started, we just we just kind of felt that, um, like a lot of people, like we were going to lose our business. Um, you know, we, we we chose not to mask because we felt that was our constitutional right and our practice. We, we we chose not to follow, you know, a lot of these rules that we just have never really seen the science on, and um, we started protesting early on. So it was probably March. Uh, well, well, actually, probably the first, second week of April, um, we went to a rally in San Diego, found ourselves at another one in Pacific Beach, and then fate would uh, find it three months into the lockdown. Um, I got a plane ticket to Sacramento. This was really, gentlemen, before rallies were rallies. Um, uh, Mussolini pulled the permits on a, on a real peaceful protest, not the ones where they're burning, looting, and committing murders and stuff, but a real one. And um, he pulled the permits on it the night before, and uh, this rally that at 8 a.m. had maybe 100 people there, within two hours had 3,000, um, and the uh, CHP there on, on Newsom's orders formed a baton line. They started throwing women to the ground, handcuffing people, all sorts of stuff, and mm. before you know it, there's three to 500 riot gear police, and to make a long story short, uh, this went on for a couple hours. They pushed us back 500 yards, uh, there were 64 arrests that day, and I got on a megaphone and turned my hat backwards and just talked to them about the oath they took, and um, it got picked up by the Hodge twins, Scoop, and David Harris Jr., and 21 million views later, 
Um, we launched a nonprofit called 1776 Forever Free, and we've done over 120 rallies statewide and nationally uh, with people like Mike Lindell, General Flynn, Brandon Strzok, Roger Stone, um, all sorts of folks. And we've just been sharing the message of the Constitution and encouraging people to run for office. So after two years and three, you know, three weekends every month for two years being away from my family, everybody started asking me, when are you going to run? And, you know, here we are. <laughs> well, it's great. I'm, I'm glad to hear you. Uh, you've done all that, too, uh, uh, Dr. Williams, because it was just, you know, especially with what's happened over the last couple of years. I know my view of the the medical profession has, trained, has changed drastically over the last two years. And uh, it's really, uh, I think it's really refreshing to hear that you guys actually stood up in terms of the masks and all that other stuff, because it's tough to do for people in your field, and you really have to, um, you have to believe in what you're doing and uh, and really stand up for that. So I applaud you for that kind of stuff. And I was looking, um, I was looking at your website, and uh, just great things in there. You've got a bunch of issues listed, and your responses or your uh, opinion on those issues. And uh, I could have written them all myself. I was right in line with uh, <laughs> with all the stuff I was reading up there. The one thing I noticed though that that wasn't there was uh, I did not see a Second Amendment uh, thing on there, and your your feelings on the Second Amendment. And just after listening to you here, obviously you've got a long history with firearms, but um, can you talk about your opinion on the Second Amendment and the state of things nowadays? Yeah, well, and that'll be added today. I don't know why that's not there, and, and I apologize for that because after five months of this campaign, it should be there. And and just so your viewers know, I'm the only candidate in the field that um, is endorsed by three-star General Leroy Sisko that's best friends with George Strait and sits on the board of the National Rifle Association. Um, so it, it is something I take very seriously. So, you know, I'll apologize, you know, to you guys for it not being there. Um, but, but pardon me, what was your question one more time? Oh, just your, that that yeah, what's your, what's your opinion on second, on gun ownership? Yeah, yeah just on, on the Second yeah. Amendment and the condition of things nowadays yeah. and where you see it going forward. Yeah, it's appalling. I mean, honestly, they're trying to, uh, they're trying to strip our guns away. I mean, it's obvious whether you look at the assault weapons ban, um, whether you look at the way the media frames their narrative around that ban, and what, you know, the rhetoric, even since the 1970s, you can go back to um, the different way that that they have, you know, it's been an all-out, to use their term, assault on on anyone carrying a firearm. I mean, the fact that we even need a permit um, to carry a weapon Anywhere in this country, any state, um, it, it, it's, a, it's a travesty because the Second Amendment is very clear that we should be able to have that firearm on our person at all times, anytime we want, anywhere we want. Um, and it's a travesty that there's only 25 states after the NRA's fought for that for three decades um, that that's actually happening. And it's like we're asking, you know, um, somebody permission to wipe our butt after we take a crap. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a joke. That's a good analogy. I like that one. That that's perfect. Well, and then so I'm sure you were pretty happy about uh, that one case or that one law they were trying to pass, where your kids would rat on you to their teachers. So yeah, well, this is this is the typical left doing what they do. I mean, they did the same thing with COVID, right? right. You create a Karen and Kevin. You create a Karen and Kevin. You put everybody in fear. And then you actually, it's a genius marketing plan because now you have disciples um, of, of, of your falsehood and you have drones and people that are zombies. 
Right. How do people follow you around and help you out? You can go to Cordy for Senate, C-O-R-D-I-E, number four, Senate.com, and donate. That's Cordy for Senate.com. And uh, we need all the help we can get, but we are winning in this race, and um, we're excited to uh, uh, to stand up for gun owners everywhere and, and people that want freedom in America. All right, Doctor, thank you very much. We will be in touch, folks. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170, The Answer. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Gun Owners Radio with your hosts, Dave Stahl, Joe Germisi, and Michael Schwartz. Visit GunOwnersRadio.com with your questions and comments or to learn how to become a sponsor of the show. Time to get involved and get active. Together, we will win. Now here's Dave, Joe, and Michael on The Answer San Diego. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer. A lot of companies are frustrated with their website. It looks old. It's hard to update, and it's not generating any leads. Well, SageTree gets it. Since 2005, SageTree has been helping companies with websites that look great, work great, and get leads. Stop being embarrassed by your website and get get one that you would be proud of. Contact SageTree today to get a website that makes the phones ring. Getting started is easy. Go to sagetree.com and schedule a call. Go to sagetree.com and press the schedule a call button today. All right, Joe, get a grip. All right, so we'll talk about that. I, I wanted to let the listeners know, though, if they're wondering why I'm laughing every time I'm saying this uh, answer, uh, because normally that's a, a Michael thing, and I don't have the Michael voice. Well, and you're Michael. also filling some very small shoes. That's right. I'm also not eight, so I don't sound like Action Jackson either. So uh, I'm winging it here, and it's funny because I know Dave hates it. No, I love it. No, it's great. Action Jackson's trying to fill Michael's shoes, and you're trying to fill action jackson shoes and <laughs> i'm just glad it's out there i think action jackson does a better job I uh, think than i'm does. doing but he that's does, okay he, he does i don't mind really doing a good this. job so what's your get a grip this week so uh this week talk about the ray of hope for california um was it it was just last week i think actually we talked about this um the senate bill sb 906 and this was a bill that was being proposed up um in sacramento by uh, a senator um Portentino, I guess, who's a, an enthusiastic anti-gun guy. But the bill was um, going to require parents to disclose their gun ownership. Uh, you know, do they own guns? How do they store guns? Where do they store guns? Uh, to their children's schools. Yeah, but didn't wasn't it the kids supposed to be going to the parents and getting this information and turning it? No, no, no. Actually, it was worse than that because um, the bill was going to require the schools to add a block oh. on the enrollment form. So as a parent, you would have to declare this when you were enrolling your kids into the school or lie about it or do what I was thinking most people would have done is pull their kids you know <laughs> out what, of the school. But system. just think, what would have happened if you put down there, you know, how many guns do you own? 
4,682. I owe 50 million rounds of ammo. I mean, well, yeah, again, you think they'd I, come after you? Well, I, the whole thing is just ludicrous. Well, but again, no, I it's, get it's it. just one more thing that, you know, we let people get away with or we let that side get away with. And it was interesting because, you know, when I wrote about it last week, I was thinking, okay, well, here's another bad thing that's going to sail right through the Senate. Mm, that's what right I thought, too, yeah. And get signed in the law. And then I see on Wednesday, um, it had to go through committee, and it got two votes out of seven uh, in the committee to go forward. So it, it died in committee. And um, and that was even after uh, Portentino, I guess, um, promised to drastically alter the bill and change it uh, if it if it got through committee. And they still wouldn't go for it. And uh, Who's, where's the guarantee there that he would change it? Well, it was interesting. I guess, you know, he's not guaranteeing it to us. He's guaranteeing it to his colleagues. I guess. I don't think so, he's, so but he has no guarantee. Something. But well, you know, it's it's interesting because uh, you know I was thinking, okay, well, why? You know, what happened there? Because typically, anything that's anti Second Amendment or anti liberty or anti rights out here just sails through. It sure. seems like. And, uh, you know, that might be an overstatement, but I think it's pretty close. I think you're right um, on the money, personally. But there were a number of people, um, you know, a number of organizations that were fighting this. Ironically, it was the ACLU and the NRA were both uh, in opposition to this thing, which is, is interesting to see the two of them on the same side. Uh, as well as they say there were several um, rank-and-file uh, law enforcement organizations that were also against it. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of the local schools uh, were against as well. I was actually going to have Andrew Hayes come on here uh, and talk about it. Andrew Hayes is a, um, is a board member in the Lakeside Union School District, and uh, he was putting a letter together uh, to write up you know, to them uh, about this and mm -hmm. to urge them not to do it. Because it gets, again, it gets into another thing. It gets the schools into enforcement kind of stuff, which – they don't need to be in. And it's just, no. you know, that's another one of the many things that was wrong with it. And it was interesting. Um, I linked to an article in, uh, in my article uh, where they talk about it. And there was uh, even, there were several um, of uh, Portentino's colleagues, Democratic colleagues that said, you know, this was too much of an infringement on civil liberties, which, yeah, was shocking. I didn't, you know, Whoa. it was just weird. By the um, way, that's a shock look on my face, folks. And there was... <laughs> And uh, there was another uh, Democratic senator, which I think was the, the head of the committee that had to go through, uh, that was saying, you know, this bill, uh, she she thought, there, okay, there's a problem with schools and shootings and things, um, which, again, is another issue that I will talk about some other time. Right. But, um, you know, she was saying this bill is not the way to address it. She Her, her view was it doesn't address uh, student mental health, which is more along the lines of where the issue is. It's not a gun issue. And she wasn't really saying this, but this, she said this unintentionally. Underlying, that, yeah. yeah, it's not a gun issue; it's a mental health issue. That's that's what these things are. Right. Um, but his bill would have done nothing to uh, deal with any of that. But I was thinking, okay, well, why, why did this happen? You know, because um, you know, Portentino used all the you know hysterical anti Second Amendment arguments that they always use for these kinds of things. Uh, he talked about how the bill was going to save lives, which you know is is again dubious. Um, he also threw out a bunch of really inflated um, numbers. You know, he, he mentioned something like there were more than 1,300 school shootings in the country since 1970. 160 of those, he said, were in California. And, um, you know, that would, that would roughly come out to about, um, what, about 26 school shootings a year, which just, again, this is what we were talking about a little bit earlier. You know, if something doesn't sound right, 
uh, you might look into it. I mean, I wrote about this back in 2018. And when I was looking at it, you know, if you're going to define something as a school shooting, because that's another thing that, that that side does is they they throw a bunch of other things in there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, school shootings, actual school shootings where someone walks into a school and shoots students or adults or something like that. Um, there were 22 of them uh, that fell into that category from 1903 to 2018 <laughs> in California. 17 of those 22 were since 1990. So, you know, a lot of stuff, certainly there's problems now, and certainly it's more recent. Mm-hmm. Because we were talking about this before. When you and I were kids, I mean, there were kids, when I was in high school, there were kids that brought shotguns to school because it was hunting season. <laughs> well, of course, and, and they, they were, were going right before, after school. Yeah, either or before, before school or after. And uh, I've had people tell me that at their schools, you know, people or kids would bring guns and give them to the principal. The principal would hang on to them during the day until they went hunting Show after school. Show and tell. And, you know, there's definitely things are different now. Um, you know, in our society that are causing some of these things, but you know, the guns aren't it. So, you know, I was thinking about this and I like to be an optimist, um, about this kind of stuff and I don't want to read too much into it, but, um, you know, as the charger fans used to say, a win is a win. So, uh, you know, I'll take that, but, um, you know, on the best case or in the best case side, this could be a tiny crack. I was saying in the wall of, uh, oppression that separates Californians from the rights that uh, all other Americans enjoy. Mm-hmm. So this could actually be a good sign. Um, you know, whether something is starting to change, whether um, politicians out here are finally starting to react maybe to what the public is doing and what they're seeing, uh, you know, could it be that uh, the politicians in Sacramento are actually starting to acknowledge, you know, what Californians actually want from their government? Um, or is it just an election year, you know, anomaly? So, uh well, do you think, like you said earlier, you know, normally this would fly through, you know, with yeah, no problem. That, that's what I was thinking. So do you think maybe because of the, the massive division between the right and the left in California that everybody is looking so close to these different bills that this had a lot to do with, instead of it just flying through, because, you know, back in the day, we wouldn't even know this bill was being written. Well, no, and that that assumes that some of the Democrat politicians out here actually care about the people in well, California because they and their rights. Well, because they want to stay in office. Well, that would be different if that's how they're starting to think. I hope that's what's happening, but time will tell. All right, hey, don't touch that dial. John Crump, right around the corner. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1. AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio. FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. Yours. Oh, is it me? Gosh, that's twice. So John Crump is an ammo land author, podcaster, and a Second Amendment activist. Get to know John and what he's been up to next. But first, do you know Leo Hamill just doesn't sell jewelry? They also buy your jewelry. Leo Hamill will buy your jewelry, diamonds, gold, silver, flatware, coins, Swiss watch for the best possible price and pay you on the spot. They'll even buy them broken. Here's an idea. Why not sell the jewelry 
or watch that you're not wearing and then buy a gun that you can go shoot. When you sell to Leo Hamill, not only will you get the best deal, you'll also be supporting the Second Amendment support so, amendment. Support the companies that support the 2A. Call 619-299-1500, or you can visit their website at leohamill.com to find the jewelry buying location near you. Always get awesome service at Leo's, 619-299-1500. Would you like to introduce Mr. Crump? Um, I can introduce John. So I think you could. John Crump, uh, writer extraordinaire, uh, award-winning author, journalist, Second Amendment activist. Uh, yeah, there you go. How's that for an introduction? How you doing, John? Not bad. How you doing? Thank you for the introduction. Yeah, I thought he would do a really good job, and 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 he did. So hey, how <laughs> so, did you yeah, get? How did you get into two A <laughs> activism? Uh, I bought a gun store a while ago. I was always into constitutional stuff, and I bought a gun store around like 2013-ish. And just looking at everything that was going on around 2A and everything else, I've been watching from the sidelines for a little bit. But I started submitting letters to the editor uh, over at Amoland, and then after a while they just asked me, Hey, would you like to come write for us? And I said, sure. <laughs> and that's history. I've been writing for them ever since. Uh, wait a minute. Who wakes up one morning and says, you know, I think I'm going to go buy a gun store today. Really? Well, <laughs> I mean, unless you're a real enthusiast and you wanted to surround you, I mean, I would go buy a hot rod shop if if I had the money. You've decided to buy a gun. I mean, were you because you were a major enthusiast, or you just wanted to own a bunch of guns, or at least not own them but have them in your premise? I mean, I don't know. Well, I was buying a bunch of firearms, oh. um, and I still and I still do. <laughs> so it was like a natural step up. My wife says that I like to jump like all the way into the deep end on anything I do. Yeah. So, I think there's there's a word for that. What is it? OCD? I don't know what it is. Yeah, I do the same thing. Yeah. I do the same thing. Trust so, me, I know the feeling. John, where are you located? Yeah, where are you located? We're going to come visit you. Yeah, well, I'm located right outside of D.C. I no longer own uh, the gun store. Um, the gun stores. Well, you know, the profit margin just wasn't there, and, you know, I was better focusing my efforts on other business opportunities mm-hmm. and I started writing and everything else. But yeah, I'm right outside of the DC uh, corridor, I guess you could say, I guess I'm in the DC corridor, mm. um, like 30 minutes away from uh, the white house. Oh, so, wow. Are you from that area, John? Did you grow up there? I grew up here. I was born in Arlington, Virginia, and uh, I've, I've lived here my whole entire life. Wow. So okay. you've seen a lot of changes in your time. Oh, massive changes. It's <laughs> probably why you don't have a gun changes. store anymore. Well, hey, I got yeah, some. One of the biggest changes is uh, like 70% of the people that live in my area are from um, north of Virginia. Not northern Virginia, but north of Virginia, like Pennsylvania, New York, mm-hmm. uh, Massachusetts, all those areas. So I've seen a big change. Wow. So what, what's the uh, Second Amendment feeling then in your immediate uh, area, like in your neighborhood? 
in my neighborhood, it is kind of funny because I live in like a liberal part of Virginia, of Virginia, Northern Virginia, of course. So there is actually a strong Second Amendment vibe. It's just underground. Like a lot of people don't want to talk about that. Like the headmaster at my kid's school, like a few years ago, came up to me because my license plate used to say guns, gun ammo. <laughs> and she was like, I, I love your license plate. I just can't say it out loud. Oh I'm my like, God. <laughs> that sounds like California. Yeah. But hey, John, how yeah, did well, you. Northern um, Virginia have a lot, of, yeah. a lot of similarities. I bet. So, hey, I got a question for you. How did you end up riding shotgun with Charlie? He sent, he sent me a message one day saying, I'm going to be in the D.C. area. Would you mind if I stop by? And I said, yeah, sure. Come on by. <laughs> so did you guys know each other? And we did, the, did, did you uh, know him before talked. that? Yeah, we talked. We just never was able to hook up mm-hmm. at the same time. But yeah, we we talked. I mean, I wouldn't say that we were friend friends, but... Yeah, he is a acquaintance, and now a, I would consider him a friend now. Okay, for clarification, Joe, <laughs> who is Charlie? So, riding shotgun with Charlie, Charlie Cook, who will be on the show actually in a couple of weeks, so mm-hmm. we're going to have him on here. Um, but he's got a little YouTube thing where he uh, he drives people around and interviews them, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's sort of like the uh, if you've seen the Seinfeld, uh, what's Seinfeld do? Getting coffee. With uh, comedians say, getting and, coffee yeah, and like cars coffee with comedians or something yeah, like that. Yeah. yeah, something like that. But um, but Charlie does this with gun people, and he's got. I mean, I I watched. Uh, he's got luminaries like John Crump. He had in there. Wow. Um, I saw. Um, who did I saw? Masad Ayub uh, was in there. Hickok forty five. Beth Alcazar, who was one of my inspirations. Actually, she's going to be on here too in a couple of weeks. I'm trying to set that up. Um, but yeah, she's he. Awesome. he uh, he gets around. He does a lot of cool stuff. So, because mm. uh, that's where I, I started. Um, you know, I, I discovered John Crump that way as I was browsing through that. And um, John, talk about your. Um, I saw you had John Crump News. What was that, or what is that? Yeah, that's just a little YouTube channel I started. I don't have that many uh, subscribers. Only I have about twenty five thousand subscribers. But it's just an extension of my writing. A lot of people don't like to read articles now. So I do like news stories about my articles where I talk about them. It's a little bit more opinionated than my articles. My articles tend to be fact-based only. Uh, But with John Crump News, it allows me to put a little bit of my uh, feelings in there. Like commentary in there. Okay, because yeah, you were spreading out a little bit because uh, you know I was looking at your book, uh, you know, speaking with giants, and uh, that sounded um, pretty much like you're uh, you're playing off of that thing as well, right? Because you do a lot of you said you do a lot of interview type stuff with uh, Ammo Land for the things yeah, that you're yeah, writing. I do a lot of, yeah, I do a lot of interview stuff with Ammo Land. I also have a podcast at John Crump Live on YouTube, also John Crump Live on all like podcasts platforms where i talk to people to interview people from like all around the gun world and beyond the gun world you might have a senator on or a congressman one day and then the next day you will have someone from a tv show on Mm. so it's all over the place and it's more of a conversation than an interview but 
Yeah, because I like to learn about people. Because every time you learn about someone, you learn about yourself. Yeah, isn't that the truth? Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. I know I do, I myself personally do six hours of radio every Sunday. And it's the most informational and educational six hours I ever spend on a day. So in that, so oh, you, yeah. you took that stuff and then you put it together and uh, put it all into a book. Is that is that what speaking with with giants is? Yeah, yeah. I took it all, put it all together in a book, and I used the money to donate to a child with cancer. Oh, outstanding! Yeah, I, didn't, like, oh, yeah. I didn't profit on it. I still don't profit on it. Like any, anything I make on that, I pass along to like cancer-based charities, children-based mm-hmm. cancer uh, charities. Yeah, you're a good person, man. That's 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 awesome. So outstanding. So along those lines, too, you do fireside chats with John Crump. <laughs> yeah, that that's now John Crump live, uh, which okay. morphed, morphed from fireside chats to John Crump live. And yeah, I just renamed it um, because people, the channel, it was almost a John Crump Live. So people just kept on calling it John Crump Live. So I was like, okay, well, I would just change the name. Well, and a lot of people don't realize about the fire fireside thing that, you know, there was a president back in the day that used to do that on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Franklin right. uh, Roosevelt. All us old people know that, but the young ones don't. So you're probably going. The, you're probably smart to go the direction you went with that. So who, yeah. So who's joined you for uh, fireside chats? Oh, you're going to bring it back up again, aren't you? Yeah, I just want one more time. Okay, uh, a lot of different people have joined me on fireside chats. Everyone from like uh, Eric Pratt of Gun Owners of America. You've had people like, uh, for example, uh, Jason David uh, Frank, who was a Power Ranger. <laughs> he was he's been on there. Uh, just a lot of different people from the gun world and beyond. So you didn't nobody nobody there. controversial nobody that goes against your thoughts. Oh yeah, I have uh, I've had a few of those on there. <laughs> uh, I've had a couple democrats on there um i've had uh like the head of nagr which i totally disagree with on a tons of love stuff mm-hmm. on there uh and a bunch of different people that i don't agree with but you know i feel that by discussing stuff it, it it's it's good i had Amin brown which is an anti-gun a politician out of uh, Pennsylvania mm-hmm. on there. And that was a kind of explosive interview there. Had a firearms instructor out of Texas that was against constitutional carry, which I'm totally for constitutional carry. Sure. Had him on there. So, yes, I've had a lot of different people that I don't agree with. On. Sounds like you had a fun. Well, that's what, makes, that's what makes your site as popular as it is, I'm sure. Instead of being one-sided, you, you allow both sides to come on, and, and, and whether you agree or disagree, it allows the viewer to make a decision. John, can you hang with us? Sure. All right, we're going to take a quick break. Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The Answer.
folks. Welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 96.1, AM 1170. The answer. slash Alpine. Hey, are you in the military? You looking for help with a VA loan? Or maybe you're just looking to buy, refi, or even considering a reverse mortgage. Call our local mortgage guy that you can trust. Call Chris Wiley at PRMI Mortgage. For nearly 25 years, Chris has been helping local San Diegans with all their mortgage needs. Call Chris Wiley at 619-722-1303 or primeres.com slash alpine. All right, let's go back to John Crump. Uh, Joe, I'll let you take off with this one. Yeah, John, I wanted to ask you about, um, you wrote a piece about um, NBC News and the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office uh, possibly committing multiple felonies. And uh, that's hard to believe that a media station like that, a network news station and a state attorney general's office might do that. But uh, can you talk a little bit about your uh, article and what's going on there? Yeah, it happens all the time, and that one calls some... I'm shocked. Some, yeah, but it, it actually happens all the time. If you look at NBC, they brought in 30-round magazines into D.C. before for a news piece where they held up on on national TV and said this is a 30-round magazine, and their studio was in D.C., which makes the committee a felony in D.C. there. Yeah. And... If you watch watch them do a lot of different things, they uh, break felonies, like commit felonies. And one of the things you cannot do is you cannot have someone complete a uh, PAD kit or or make a eighty uh, percent firearm for you. And that's what they did. They took it to the attorney general's office, which completed the two kits. It gave them back to NBC, which is illegal for NBC, and it's illegal for the attorney general's office because I double-checked with multiple attorneys. Like We went through about six attorneys just to make sure I wasn't missing anything because what I saw it. I was wondering if I was wrong about the law, but it was confirmed that the attorney general is not exempt from federal law. And them completing kits for someone else is a felony. So were so, you right. were you able to Go get ahead. any comment from NBC News, anybody there, or from the Pennsylvania AG's office on that when you were researching it? No, no. Yeah. They they said no comment, and if you noticed, NBC has since edited it to remove some of the parts so pretty sure <laughs> so have you ever seen anything <laughs> what's going on have you ever seen anything happen to those people when that kind of stuff goes on no i have not i have not there have been a lot of calls for different things that happen when news stations break the law or different politicians break the law but if they are breaking the law in order to push an anti-gun narrative. It seems like they usually get off scot-free. We are pushing for something to happen. I know there are several politicians like Mastriato in Pennsylvania that wants to subpoena or use his power 
and the Pennsylvania legislature to look into what happened. There's been calls by a second by the Second Amendment Foundation, Gun Owners of America, and multiple other groups to look into what happened and this new story. But usually, it just goes away, like a hard drive. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's, server. yeah, it depends on the side of the fence you're on, I guess. But the, um, yeah. you know, it was, uh, I thought I saw something, too, in your article about uh, the ATF and approaching Rob uh, Pincus for something he was teaching in one of his classes. That was that. That was in your article, right? Does that sound yeah, familiar? They, appro- they approached them, and they wanted to make sure that he was not lending tools out to anyone to complete their firearms and the firearms class he was teaching. They were basically saying that everyone had to purchase their own tools. So that was kind of interesting that everyone had to purchase their own tools. And not only did the AG's office in Pennsylvania use their tools, but they actually did the work also. Yeah, so you can't. You can't use you can't use someone else's tools, and they can't help you until it reaches the stage of it being a firearm, and then they can help you once it reaches the stage of a firearm. Which also brings to the question: When does it reach the stage where it's a firearm? And yeah, that was my understanding of how the law is. So, so you can buy, say, an eighty percent kit or something like that. But you have to do any machining, any tooling, anything uh, absolutely yourself. To the that point, correct. To the yeah, point to where the point it reaches, where, where it reaches this mythical stage of being considered a firearm, and then after that, somebody can help you. Yes, that is the way the ATF is interpreting everything. But there is a mythical stage, like you said, where it becomes a firearm, and no one's really sure. And the ATF basically says. Oh, well, we, we know it when we see it. It's like, but that doesn't help out. <laughs> <laughs> when that's actually doing it. Because yeah. what I consider a firearm might be different from what you consider a stage where it's a firearm. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's really, uh, I don't know. I, that, that falls into the same category of a lot of these, uh, these laws just seem, um, you know, obviously there to help the public and make us all safer. Oh, so yeah. We get a lot of that in California. A lot of stuff is done for us to make us safer out here to keep us safe. Yeah, that's what they like to tell people. But, uh, yeah, we just had, um, I know we were talking about it a little bit earlier, we just had a, um, a uh, another grotesque law out here that was proposed that actually uh, died in committee where um, they were going to require, uh, they were proposing to require parents to um, report gun ownership to their children's schools. And this is going to be part of the enrollment form in the beginning and report, you know, how they stored guns, where they stored guns, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, that's the kind of thing that usually would sail through out here. And, uh, and it was interesting, even, uh, you know, even the Democrat politicians uh, didn't support that. It, it died in committee here in the Senate, which is, um, which is very interesting. We were talking about that earlier, trying to, uh, you know, ascertain is why that could be, 
you know, because that, that was just really unusual for out here. Think it'll come through in a, in a different form? You think they'll make another run at it? Well, you know, that's what I was thinking because I almost, when I wrote, I just wrote an article about that this week, and uh, I almost said it, it was dead for now. But then yeah. I was thinking, well, I mean, the, the sponsor of the bill, the guy that wrote the bill, you know, promised the uh, people on the committee that, okay, he would change it drastically. Like It was funny, actually, if you look at, um, I think he said he would he would exempt elementary schools. Well, what, what, what is the point of doing any of this at all? So you're going to do junior high and high school. Yeah, I mean, but, uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's unbelievable. It's just, it's so goofy. And, um, but it's interesting, though, because we were talking about, okay, why... Have they really had a change of heart up there, or are they no. worried about what's going to happen in November, you know, mm-hmm. nationally and probably to a lesser degree out here in California? I think they live by the rule: as much as you throw against the wall, whatever sticks, sticks. Yeah, just throw whatever. Do you you see that back there, John, with the kind of legislation you get in your state? I uh, can only that. Well, my state just overthrew all the anti-gun politicians and went back kind of towards the pro-gun side. Not totally. Oh, that's right. You're you're in Virginia, right? Yeah, <laughs> right. He's in Virginia. Right. Yeah. yeah, but you guys yeah, only you... are. Well, go ahead, John. Our new our new AG uh, carries and uh, Winston Sears, uh, our oh, guy yeah. here, lieutenant governor. Uh, she carries an AR with her around wherever she goes in her in her, in her car or whatnot. And they asked her, they like, are you planning now that you have security not to carry your AR? And she basically said, I am my own security mm-hmm. because I have my AR. Yeah, that is so great. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing her rise up in the future because she's not going to stop at lieutenant governor there in Virginia. Yeah. So it's it's going to be nice to see that I mean, career. Wouldn't you love to see gun racks in the trucks again? Yeah, it'd be nice. Oh, yeah. It'd be nice to live in a society where she could be the first. To, you wouldn't have to worry about your window just being smashed out and your gun <laughs> stolen. <laughs> I'd like to see Ford or Chevy or Dodge give her a truck and put a rack in the back window. That would be great. Yeah, I would. I would love to see that too. She has a great story. Uh, Jamaican immigrant, uh, U.S. Marine. Yeah. Yeah, gr- great, great story. Yeah, well, I thought she was uh, be, she was accused of being a white supremacist. Of course, <laughs> of course. Well, well, when uh, when the Republicans won the top seats in Virginia, they said the, the party of the white supremacy won, and Herring, who ran, <laughs> was actually uh, actually admitted to uh, being in blackface, and not only that, but. Two out of the three of the top positions, like Winston Sears, lieutenant governor, which is a black woman, and uh, Jason Mieres, who is Hispanic male, won the AG. Yeah. White people. Yeah, I know. Ruined their whole day. How do you say that? Yeah, it ruined their whole day. Well, you guys, John, you guys... um, you guys only get uh, Governor Yunkin for what a year? You guys have a one-year term for governors back there? No, it's it's a couple of years, uh, but it's only a one term. You can only you can only be governor for one term. Oh, okay, uh, a consecutive term, I should say. You can be governor, then 
you know, somebody else comes in and then you can run for governor. That's again. right. That's, that's how you almost had Terry McAuliffe back, right? That is correct. Wow. McAuliffe was terrible. <laughs> yeah, but he was good. So Cause when, I think, well, he woke up the parents, I think back sure there to what was going on, which woke up the parents across the country. So I, he, yeah. he yeah. performed a, a, a great service for us. I yes. think he should get a civic award. Yeah. Well, I live in Loudoun County which is ground zero for this whole education thing. It's my, my kids go to a private school because of the whole thing. Sure. Right. Hey buddy, yeah. we got to go, but thank you very, very much for taking time out of your day. How do people follow you around and stay on top of everything you do? Uh, you can find me over at Amaland or on YouTube at John Crump News or John Crump Live on YouTube. All right. Mostly Amaland. All right, John, thank you very much. Enjoyed having you on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, John. All right, keep up the good work. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961, AM 1170. The answer. All right, folks, welcome back to Gun Owners Radio, FM 961 AM 1170. The answer. All right, Orange County, Saturday, April 23rd. That's the Orange, Orange Hill restaurant. What for? Prom. Gun prom, that is. San Diego is Saturday, June 18th. At Town and Country in Mission Valley. When it comes to Second Amendment celebration dinner, gun prom is first on the list. So I have to admit, folks, we were talking about barbecues off air. <clears throat> and I got the qu- the coolest way. You want to buy a new barbecue? The best way to do it: find a place that sells barbecues interest free. If you pay it off in the first year or the, whatever, whatever the case may be, because then the wife can't argue with you if you talk. Well, it's inter- it's interest free. What's the problem? Well, you sound you sound like my mother in law. So she used to tell me when I was going to buy a car. She, yeah, you know, I was worried about the loans and all that. So she said, Why don't you just pay cash? Oh. I thought, oh, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> I would never pay cash. <laughs> I'm going to use your money, not my money. Or, or the better, the one that gets me when people buy a car, they'll go buy a $20,000 car and they'll put 10 down. Well, uh-huh. what did you give them $10,000 for? <laughs> Can't you do something else with it? Don't give it to them. Well, I feel good now because I've never done that. It's not, not, it wasn't by choice. Did I you never, pay cash I never for had it? any money. No, I'll take whatever they give me. Yeah, that. put it down. Yeah. Where'd you buy it? Um, it all come for it. Actually, the last uh, oh, I was talking about your several. barbecue. Not oh, we're back to barbecues. Yeah. Okay, I thought we we're talking trucks now. No, so um, no, back to the barbecue. We were talking off air about this, and uh, my barbecue was dying. And um, well, you bought cheap. Well, yeah, and a couple of years ago, uh, you know, I made made the decision because right, I can't, you know, you buy these things every so many years, and I would I'd end up at Home Depot, and you know, you spend one hundred and fifty dollars or two hundred dollars yeah. or something for a barbecue. And they're all right, but nothing great. How many dead barbecues have you got in your backyard? Oh, none, because I found out the uh, the landfill takes them. You just drive it off to the recycle side and dump them off. But how many were there before you figured out? I don't know, 30 years worth? There are probably a bunch of them. <laughs> I know. But um, it went cheap last time. You know, bought the $100 barbecue <laughs> and was thinking, okay, even if this thing lasts two years, uh, that's fine. Yeah. What I was not thinking about was the last six months of the second year mm-hmm. are terrible. Terrible. And it's like, I finally, I, I think I was grilling a week or two ago. I was making some burgers and um, 
I just couldn't stand. I couldn't even finish them out there. Everything was flaming up because everything inside the grill was rotting away because it's all cheap. Um, I so I tossed that and I went out and I said, okay, let, let me get a decent one this year. And, um, you know, I started researching that and, uh, you know, what do you have to spend to get a decent barbecue right. and or a decent grill? And I discovered and just to, to touch the, the very, um, low end of decent gets you up over $600 or mm -hmm. so. And, um, so I ended up at Costco with a, uh, a Weber that was a thousand dollar Weber that we got for 800, I think. Oh, there you go. But, um, yeah, my wife likes Costco cause you can bring it back. So oh, yeah, even if it doesn't work in a couple of years and drag it back here. Cause we don't, you and I would never take it back. But, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not, not to take it back. I don't guy. take, I bought some <laughs> fluorescent light bulbs, uh, a, a case, 12 of them uh -huh. and, and $107. Well, they don't fit. So my wife says, are you going to take them back? This is not, we'll probably use them. <laughs> Yeah, we'll have something someday that fits. Something someday. Well, actually, I got a guy that's going to come over and do some work for me, and I'm just going to give him to him and trade. Well, we did that. I was and, and this can relate to guns, because you don't want to cheap out on equipment. That's true. Whether you're buying a bag, whether you're buying a, a, gun. a gun or anything, don't always go with the cheapest price. And I like, I like research. And the first thing I do on Google, like I bought a – toaster the other day i go number one toaster you know for sale and then it'll kick up the five toasters and then you can mm -hmm. grade them and then that way you'll know what to get well that's that's a good way to do it i think so but uh yeah because i'm looking forward i was telling you i hadn't hadn't used the grill yet uh so I'm looking forward to it because we're doing this goofy diet thing so i'm uh, i got a couple of days to wait but uh, come friday i think um we're gonna grill a couple of steaks and i have yeah. uh, i don't know if i told you about zippy the steer because uh, we make Zippy burgers now, which are fantastic. What is a Zippy? The, the well, I, last year uh, we have some friends that live up in Idaho, and um, and they've got horse property. They've got about six acres. They've yeah. got horses. And uh, apparently in Idaho, if you um, if you can generate income from agriculture on your property, you get a huge property tax break. So they and all their friends will raise different animals. So they what they do is they they do three steer each year. And they buy them, and it takes it takes eight or nine months to raise them up. And then they have the butcher come, and they butcher them up, and they sell them. So I bought a quarter steer from uh, from our friends last Was year. Was it good from frozen to fresh? Uh, yeah, so far it's been great. And uh, I can't eat enough of a quarter steer to do it all fresh. <laughs> well, I eat know. it fast enough. But see, that as good always, as it is. Because, see, I, I, I also bought one of those Sela meal things. Oh, okay. And then uh, I would go buy, you know, tons of meat or what have you at Costco. Mm -hmm. But I just never liked the taste after it thawed out. Yeah, I haven't noticed it at all. Because before what I would do is, you know, I'd, I'd get it like at Iowa Meats if I was doing right. something. Iowa uh, Farms. Special. Um, but with these guys, you know, I, I bought the uh, steer, so I went up and picked it up last year. And I was asking, I said, by the way, you guys you guys name your steers. Who, who am I eating here? So uh turns out I'm eating Zippy this year. So, uh, okay. Zippy makes fabulous burgers and I'm looking forward to a Zippy steak or two I uh, bet. on Thursday. Well, it's funny you should say that because a good friend of mine that works at a restaurant in Janice, her and her family are really big into animals. So they bought a pig, you know, a little pig uh -huh. and they named it and they raised it. They butchered it. They couldn't eat it. <laughs> they couldn't eat it because all they could see was this cute little piggy when it was a little baby. 
I don't remember what name they gave it. So it just totally ruined them. They just couldn't, they just couldn't eat it. Well, see, that's another story that's coming up too. I got invited to go um, to go hunt pigs. So are you? Go when are you going to go do that? That's the end of June. So that was. Uh, it's a little bit late, but that's. Um, where are you going? Who are you do? Uh, where are you going? Up to uh, Paso Robles. Oh to yeah, a ranch yeah. up there. So, because um, that's another thing we'll be writing about here. So you'll be hearing all. about Are you this doing anyway. a rifle or doing a bow? I'm doing a rifle. Um, because this was my excuse now. Because the guy that invited me said, ah, I got rifles, I got scoops, I got everything. You don't oh, need yes, anything. But you had but to get your excuse to buy a rifle. Yeah. So I, I bought a Savage 110. I got it in 6.5 Creedmoor. Oh. Um, just zeroed it in the other day, and it, it's beautiful. Because somebody yeah. told me, uh, they said, oh, put a brake on it. Uh, it'll improve, you know, it gets rid of the recoil and it improves the uh, the accuracy a little bit. Yeah. And so I put a brake on it, and I, I hadn't shot it before I did that, so I don't know what it would have felt like without the brake, mm-hmm. but it was beautiful. I, almost no recoil. Really? Um, once we dialed it in, it was very accurate, nice tight little groups at 100 yards. Wow. So um, so I'm looking forward to doing that. So uh, by by June or so, I should have enough of Zippy gone. Uh, and then to have you'll be eating this freezer. Pizza. Yeah, so we could replace... Uh, that part of the freezer with uh, some uh, wild boar, which should be really tasty. I did have somebody ask me to go to do the same thing, but he was going to sit in a tree, uh-huh. and I was supposed to run along, be- you know, beside the tree with the pig chasing me. Oh, there you go. And I thought that would not be a good <laughs> uh, a good way to go. But uh, the pig's name was Amy. Amy the pig. Amy the pig. So what happened to Amy? Amy got. I got think they ended up giving it. I think and, they gave it. Well, they had it all butchered up wow. and everything, but they couldn't eat it because the kids would cry and the <laughs> wife was devastated. So they gave, well, it, gave I, it away. So hopefully, when uh, should I get one of these uh, pigs in June? I'll have no personal relationship with the pig. Make sure you him. don't. Well, and the other thing too, the guy that invited me, uh, he said he he found a good processor on the way home. Oh. So what he does is, uh, you know, when you shoot these things. Um, the uh the guide that takes you out there they'll they'll quarter it they'll skin it quarter it for you and then uh you drop it off the processor on the way home mm-hmm. and then um the processor happens to be near uh where this guy's um son lives yeah so he goes back up a week later stays a night with his son picks up the processed meat the next day it's all packaged and brings it back down and so, frozen yeah so this should work out really well so I'm, I'm looking forward to that so we tied this back to guns yeah and, and, but, and i don't want to hurt anybody's feelings nina but i have seen nina uh-huh. and i see you so this diet is not for deep nina <laughs> let me guess because that girl does not need to lose any weight whatsoever so is this for you this no well it's not really a, it's more of a getting my my health and lifestyle back under control a little bit it looks <laughs> part of it is dieting i mean you're not but, heavy um, i mean no, I'm just trying to trying to. No, you're not trying things. to do anything. <laughs> but uh, but well, no. Fortunately, she she went along with it for the couple of weeks anyway. Because uh, I said it'll be much easier to go through this this two week cleansing thing if somebody's doing it with me. Oh, uh, because okay. there's you know there's these what they call smoothies involved, and oh. I smoothie is a terrible word for these things. These are not they're not smoothie, tasty. Yeah, smoothie is tasty, friendly, sweet, this fruity is things. Are now, you listening are, to this, Brandon? These. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, sorry. I, I forgot to turn on my microphone. Yes, I'm here. These are essentially just ground up vegetables, is what they are, and you try to choke them down. So I got a couple more days of this left. <laughs> have you lost any weight? Yeah, actually, I have in the beginning, but I mean that's you know I mean that's going to happen anyway when you do something yeah. this this kind of radical. Yeah, my, but, wa- um, my wife tried to, or my mother tried to get me to be a juicer. 
Yeah, I'm not. You know, my yeah. my mother-in-law. You know, God bless her. She's 88. She's very healthy, and she eats this way all the time. And my my goal is not to become my mother-in-law. No. I just want to get a little healthier. I had but, a chili size the other night, man. It was off the charts. <laughs> Well, we, we did tie this back to guns. Yes, so, we did. So there will be a future article on my Savage 110. All right. Uh, there will be a future uh, article and discussion about the pig hunt when it comes down. And eventually I'm going to talk about my cowboy gun that I picked up. Oh, so, uh, how, many, coming up how many safes do you have at home? I got one that's very full, but my neighbor who's moving uh, is not going to move his safe with him. So they're <sighs> going to wheel that right across the street. So I'm In looking, the garage. I'm looking forward to new room here in about a month. <laughs> well, folks, if you notice... Uh, Stump, my nephew, was not on tonight. We'll, that will come on next week. Michael Schwartz hopefully will be back next week. So with that being said, we need your help. Subscribe to our show. Give us a five-star review. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify. And please support all our great sponsors, San Diego County Gun, San Diego County, uh, Orange County, and Inland Empire Gun Owners. Dillon Law Group, PRMI Mortgage, Sage Street Digital Marketing, CL1, Leo Hamill Fine Jewelry, San Diego Flight Training International, thanks to Joe, and our good man, Brendan Thomas. And don't forget, Bob Siegel is in the wings. Don't touch that dial right here on FM 961. AM 1170, The Answer. This program is sponsored by Dave Stahl.